I'd like to thank KTMS 990 and Montecito Bank and Trust for making Scam Squad possible. I'm Patty Teal. And I'm Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. Scam Squad is up next. Sound off. One, two. Sound off. Three, four. One, two, three, four. Scam Squad. Welcome to Scam Squad. I'm your host, Patty Teal, here as always with Deputy District Attorney Vicki Johnson. And we have our partners from Montecito Bank and Trust with us as well. So, Vicki, would you do the honors? Absolutely. We're really happy to have back with us today Doris Roof from Montecito Bank and Trust, who is the risk manager, senior fraud specialist. And she's got some kind of good news for us today. So welcome, Doris. Thank you for having me. We always like to pass on our information as a preventative type measure. So today I'm just going to talk about Zelle, which has been a hot topic recently in regards to people being denied on a claim or when they state that they've been scammed, etc. As I've mentioned in the past, Zelle was developed and put out by early warning systems. And then the banks went ahead and bought into it. So we, as a bank, get a lot of our guidelines from early warning systems. They do the guideline on what we're supposed to be doing as far as Zelle is done, how fast we're supposed to be reporting fraud to them, how we transact some of the transactions, etc. So I just wanted to let you know that a lot of this isn't something that Montecito or Wells Fargo or someone else just goes ahead and develops on their own. This is something we get our guidelines from. So with that said, Zelle is going to be getting new guidelines from early warning systems so that when a customer does a transaction through Zelle, questions will be asked to help prevent the fraud as best as they can. So right now, when you do a transaction, you basically are saying, do you want to wish to do this transaction? And you go ahead and say, yes, please continue. Well, there are going to be new guidelines where there's going to be more prompts before you actually send out that transaction. Questions like, did you initiate this transaction or did someone else ask you to initiate this transaction? Just be aware that in the near future, and it is there to help you and not to slow down the transaction, because sometimes I know we're all in a hurry and we just want to do the transaction and move on to our next thing that we're trying to do in the day. They are going to be doing more of the prompts, and you'll get like a first prompt, and then you will get a second prompt before you hit that final one where you're transmitting that transaction. Once you do a Zelle transaction, 90% of the time it goes out immediately because that's what you're choosing. You're choosing to do an instant transaction because Zelle also has an option to send it the next day or do an ACH, which is a little bit different than the instant. But majority of the transactions are instant. And that's why customers use it because they want that money to go over to the other party as soon as possible so the other party can use those funds. So just be aware they're trying to really help prevent monies going out to the wrong person. So they're trying to take some extra measures to help with that prevention. Thank you for telling us that update because sometimes we can get irritated. I know I can with anything that slows me down. Oh, there's a two-step verification. Oh, they're asking me this. I just want to send it. 
So keeping in mind that they're doing it for our protection can maybe help us to have a little more patience. Prompts are there for a reason. Don't just hit the okay. Take a look at it for a moment and ask yourself. Think before you click, I think is one of the mottos out there with a lot of the transactions going on. So think before you click. Coincidentally, I just got something from the Los Angeles Times. It was a big article about how to use Zelle safely. And one of the things that the Zelle Corporation says is that don't send money to people you don't know. Send money to those you know and you trust. And when you are sending money, before you do it, confirm the recipient's mobile phone and or email address before sending the money. So look at it very, very carefully and make sure that a scammer isn't spoofing it and or making a slight change to the email address that you may not notice just with a cursory glance. Understanding too that an email address can be spoofed. You are supposed to look at the entire header and understand that official banks in the United States, the address won't originate overseas. So if you see an email address that has anything indicating that it's coming from overseas, be very, very wary. It is a scam. Another thing that's happening is apparently people are getting uh, text warnings about Zelle fraud. If you get one of those, don't reply. It's from a scammer because what you are doing if you reply is confirming that, yes, you do have a Zelle account. So if you get a message supposedly from your bank or from Zelle telling you that there is a possible Zelle fraud attached to your account, call the bank. And whatever you do, do not use the address or the contact information that you are getting in that text. Do not reply directly to the text. Go to your bank, call your bank, call their fraud hotline if they have one and ask about that. Ask if they sent a text warning. Another thing they're saying is don't use a cell address sent in a text to pay a bill. So if you get a message that supposedly comes from a government agency or a service provider, and it invites you to pay a bill via a cell address provided in the text, they are saying this is certainly a scam. 99% of the time, the legitimate institution won't send you a request for payment through Zelle. That is one of the questions with the prompts that will be coming up. Are you aware of this phone number? Is this actually an email address? Because it's so easy to spoof the L's and the I's when you receive an email address. They're going to try to twist it. First of all, why are you getting that email to send the Zelle money? That should be a question you should be asking yourself. Is this from somebody that you know and trust, like you just mentioned, Vicki? Well, it's so interesting that Zelle itself is giving that warning. Make sure that this is somebody that you know and trust. It's also telling us that one of the other safety warnings is don't reveal anything to an unknown caller, texter, or email, even if they're pretending to be from your bank no matter how persuasive those credentials are. Don't give them any kind of personal information. Again, call the bank yourself on the number listed on the back of your ATM card or on your checks to see if there's a problem with your account and never, ever, ever reveal a two-factor authentication code that you receive from your bank, even to a caller who is telling you that they are from the bank. So you just have to be very, very careful how you, in fact, use Zelle. 
it's a handy device, but you just have to know that the scammers are onto it and they are using everything that they've got to try and fool you into thinking that they're legitimate and that they're from your bank when they're contacting you. It's money going out and it's instant. Right. Once you hit that send, it's sent. Well, that's what I like so much about Zelle is, too, you don't have to make that transfer into your bank, whereas Venmo, it sits in an account or PayPal, but you have to push a button to make it go into your bank, whereas Zelle just goes immediately. And also, I noticed they don't charge any fee to the customer. So how do they make their money? Is it through the banks pay them or how does that work? That's a good question. Just curious. I don't know that 100%. But you're right, there are no charges from mm-hmm. our end, from the bank side. Just curious minds want to know. Maybe we'll find out in the future. We'll find out for you because now you've made me curious. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of peer-to-peer transactions and devices that help us do that, I also just got a warning about PayPal. Apparently, in Maine, 35,000 PayPal accounts were hacked. And it exposed things like names, addresses, social security numbers, tax ID numbers, dates of birth, all of that. Well, if it happened in Maine, it's going to happen elsewhere. And so the warning has gone out to all PayPal users that they should ignore any messages that they received that they were not expecting. And by the way, I get messages all the time from PayPal and I don't even use PayPal. Now I'm thinking, hmm, maybe that's a scammer. So they're warning us that you should ignore any messages that you receive that you were not expecting from PayPal, and you should reach out directly to PayPal to verify the validity of the message. And they're also saying to PayPal users that they should change their password using a 12-plus character unique passphrase, and also use multi-factor authentication with the app if possible. So one little hint I have about a good password is think of a name of a song that you like or a lyric in a song or something in a poem, something that's kind of unique to you and that means something to you. And it's going to be probably more than 12 plus characters. Just a warning, PayPal has been hacked and may not be safe. And all of us that use PayPal should change our passphrases. Or get a password manager that we've been talking about. I'll be thinking, what song was that that I was referring Uh, to? uh Hopefully I wrote it down somewhere. Yeah. But it is a good tip. I actually did that today when I had to make up a long password. I used a song. Did you? Oh, Mm -hmm. yeah. But again, I would have to write down my password anyway, even if it were a short one. So many passwords and you're not supposed to use the same password for a series of whatever for Zelle, let's say, and then your online banking or then you're trying to get into some of the other apps or whatever. It can go on and on and you're supposed to have different passwords for everything. Just one more thing to put on our to-do list. Actually, I think I am going to write that on my calendar because it's probably going to take an hour or more to go through each of your accounts and make up a new password and record them. So that's an important reminder. It is. Well, Patty, that's all I've got for today. I do have some good news if we're to the point where we can hear some good news. We're to that point. We always love the good news, Vicki. We're ready. Well, this was kind of interesting. It's about five defendants who were sentenced to federal prison for perpetrating a nationwide grandparent scam. We're always interested to know that the grandparent scam is still with us. People are still falling for it, and we still need to talk about it, even though it's been around forever. And this was sort of interesting, the role that these defendants played in this particular scheme. 
their job was to retrieve, transport, and launder the money that elderly victims were induced to send via the grandparent scam. And what these defendants did was they traveled throughout the United States to different cities to find unoccupied houses where overnight packages could be sent and retrieved without detection. So they would then find these houses, relay the addresses to their co-conspirators, the people that were actually talking to the victims getting the money. And these co-conspirators would tell the victims, okay, I want you to mail the money wrapped up a certain way to this particular address. Well, the address happened to be a deserted house or a deserted building of some sort. And as soon as the money got shipped, the scammers would track it and they would arrive at the house right about the same time that the shipment arrived. Let's say it was sent FedEx and they would then go up on the porch and retrieve the package. And then their job was to take their cut and send the money on to other scammers who were probably working out of India or Nigeria or some other country. So it's interesting how many parts and pieces there are to these various scams. I mean, it's an entire organization that is set up to defraud us. It is shocking. Yeah. It is shocking. So they actually had to have someone sitting and watching the house. They probably had Federal Express coming by 1030 so that they would know what time of the day it was coming and just stalk the house. That's really something. Isn't it? And these people would travel to cities all over the United States to find these deserted properties that were a suitable address to have the money sent. I know. Yes, they're quite complex, some of these scams, and take a lot of manpower. Well, Vicki, thank you. I'm glad that they caught the people that were perpetrating that particular scam. I think the grandparent scam is one of the most cruel scams that is out there. There's a lot of cruel ones, but that one is particularly bad. It really strikes at the heart of any grandparent to think that their grandchild is in trouble. So you start, again, reacting with emotion, strong Mm -hmm. fear, rather than your rational brain. Absolutely. So Vicki, would you give your fraud hotline phone number in case someone would like to be on the show or just talk to you about a scam, either one? Absolutely. It's area code 805 568-2442. And again, that's area code 805-568-2442. And I do welcome your phone calls. Thank you. And please look up our Scam Squad uh, YouTube channel and subscribe or subscribe to a podcast if you prefer to get the information that way so you don't miss out on any warnings. And thank you, Doris. Thank you, Vicki. What a great show it was today. Thank you, Patty. Okay. Bye-bye.